Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Nikki Rausch, and Nikki is here. Um, she's the sales maven, and I always love to talk to people who know how to sell because that's one of the things that that you know I've learned. I've had to learn over the years, and you know you can always use improvement in that area. So I'm happy to. I'm looking forward to hearing what Nikki has to say about sales. And first of all, welcome to the show, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get some live FaceTime with you. I know yeah, from yes, the recording, exactly. but we get to see each other after having a really nice phone call a while back. Exactly. And um, and I love that about this too. So I know that that you are a sales coach. You're the author of a couple of books, The Selling Staircase and Buying Signals, correct? That's yeah. two, two of the three. Two, yeah. Oh, okay. I apologize. What's the That's third? Okay. The third one is called Six Word Lessons on Influencing with Grace. Say that one more time. It's it's part of a series that's called okay. Six Word Lessons. And then my book is called On Influencing with Grace. Oh, I like that. Okay. Thank that's you. so cool. So tell me a little bit about you, Nikki. I know that you were in corporate for many years and sales was your thing. And now you're showing all of us how to be sales mavens. So that's please. Right. That's right. So yeah, so my background comes from, I was in the technology space for 17 years and selling. I was the uh, traveling road wire. I would say that the, uh, I traveled so much that my airline used to send me a Christmas gift. So <laughs> imagine how much you have to travel for your airline to actually send you a, a gift every Christmas. Um, I loved that. And while I was in corporate sales and having a lot of success there, I started studying neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's essentially the study of communication. And I found a way to work in what I was learning in my NLP training into my sales conversations and having a lot of success there. Um, in 2013, I ended up starting sales maven with this idea of, I was hanging around a lot of super cool entrepreneurs and coming from a corporate world that felt very different. And I just wanted to spend as much time as possible around these incredibly passionate people that wanted to make big impacts in the world. And I found that a lot of them struggled to have really authentic, genuine sales conversations. It felt so uncomfortable and out of the norm for them. And that was something that was comfortable for me. So I started helping them on the side and just wanting to help their business grow. And and my business was just really born out of some of them pulling me aside and saying like, you should teach, teach people how to do this. And in particular, I found that I had a real passion for, for working with women mm -hmm. because I came from a male dominated industry and I love helping women make more money and feel really confident doing it because they know that they're giving an extraordinary amount of value in return. So here I am 10 years later, sales maven having the time of my life. That's fantastic. So one thing that that I noted when I was reading up on what you do and how you do it is that mm -hmm. that you the words that were used and it might have been from your one of your books, I don't know, but that you teach clients how to 
authentically. And I love that term because that's where I come from trying to be authentic about things, authentically moving people through the selling process in a way that builds relationships. Well, that's what I'm all about. I'm speaking your language there. Oh yeah. Creating true connection and resulting in more close deals and long-term clients. So tell me, tell me how, or what that looks like um, from your perspective in, in how to do it more authentically and build relationships because, you know, we all have our own way of doing things, but yeah. Yeah. So I created a signature approach to a sales conversation. I teach it. This is my framework and I call it the selling staircase. And there are five steps to a sales conversation in order to get to the place where you exchange dollars for services. And the reason I teach it as a staircase is because most people understand that when you're going up a set of stairs, you go one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately in sales, a lot of people are taught that you just go right in for the close and, Boom, and it's like, yeah, you got to have that like aggressive, you know, go get them kind of attitude, convince people to buy from you. Don't take no for an answer. And what that does is it skips all the really important steps in between the introduction and the, and the close. And when you do that, you leave people feeling either confused or frankly, sometimes annoyed with you. So you lessen your chance of earning their business. So I teach this five-step approach because it's simple and it allows for each person to show up and be their true self in a conversation. Because I think one of the big mistakes is people think, well, I have to sell like so-and-so in order to be successful. And I don't buy into that. I think you should sell like you, you should be strategic in your conversation but your authentic self should show up in that conversation because I truly believe that sales isn't something that you do to another person. It's something you do with, there's a collaborative uh, approach to it. So the five steps of the selling staircase allow for you to guide somebody one step at a time. So it doesn't feel like you're dragging or being pushy or aggressive with them. It feels conversational. It feels easy for you and for the prospect. So I have heard what those are. I did my homework. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'd love you to share that with my audience, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. I think they make so much sense and it's very easy to understand. Yeah. I, I really do think sales should be easy. So step one in the, in the selling staircase is the introduction step. And the idea here is that your job is to make a powerful first impression because people make judgments based on that first impression of you. So you want to do everything you can to set yourself up for success there. So sometimes that first impression comes on social media. Sometimes it comes on your website. Sometimes it comes when you show up at a networking event, right? Like that first impression, it counts and it matters. So there are things that you can do there to set yourself and the other person up for success. Um, And you can tell me how in depth, you want me to go to each of these steps, but so step one, make a powerful first impression. That's the introduction step. Step two, we'll see if you like this one, Janice. Step two for me is creating curiosity. I feel like that's one of your words too, is create curiosity. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. For your podcast, I think is using curiosity. So of course my favorite word. So yeah, mine too. Mine too. I love the idea of creating curiosity. And I think a lot of times when I ask business owners, do you know how to create curiosity about your business, about what you do that, that has people leaning in and wanting to know more? Most of the time they give me a blank look like, what, what do you mean, Nikki, create curiosity, huh? 
So I teach some really simple ways that you can create curiosity that gets the other person wanting to know more. And when you create curiosity, what happens naturally is people start to give off buying signals. Buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that people give that indicate interest. I wrote my second book about buying signals. They are so crucial that you know how to recognize and act on one. And when you get a buying signal, the next logical step is to invite people oftentimes to step three in the process. I call it discovery. You might have a different name for it. Some people call it their consultation call. Some people call it their sales call. Some people call it a you know, get to know each other call. It doesn't matter what you call it, but the objective of this step is to get a clear understanding of does this person have a problem and a need? And do I have a solution that solves that problem and need? Now, one of the mistakes people make in discovery is they think it really is a sales, like this is where you sell. And I disagree. I think this is where you ask smart questions that plant seeds in the mind of the prospect to be like, oh, Janice is asking me such great questions that she knows something that I need to know. So it, it opens that door for you then to move them to step four, which is once you've established that you do have a solution that will meet their need or solve their problem, step four is proposal. And this is where you're laying out how to work with you. This is where the selling happens. So notice that we've gone through four steps Mm -hmm. before we're doing the traditional selling and laying out offers. And so once you get to step four, step five goes really closely with it. And that's close. Now, step step five is the second most misstep of everything that I teach. A lot of people get to step four and then they just let it hang and let the person kind of decide what to do next. The prospect, you have to issue close language. So the person can very easily say, yes, no, I have a question. I have an objection, whatever it is. If you're not closing on your sales calls, if you're not attempting to close, chances are you're one of those people that I often hear that are like, well, I have a list of people who indicated they were interested. They were, I sent them something they said they were going to buy, but they haven't bought. And now they're ghosting me. Well, they're ghosting you because you didn't make it easy for them to make a decision and you didn't issue close language. So that's the five step in a kind uh, of in a, in a faster so, version. So brilliant because I mean I have questions about all of them, but oh good. Um, but I I'm thinking about a couple of things. So the first thing that just came to mind was, I hate to say this, but yeah. do women do that more than men? You know, when you just said people that that example you just gave. Well, I have a list of people that showed interest, but and you said it like a, a meek woman. To be honest, yeah. that's right, right. And so I'm thinking, is it women that are afraid to ask? That's one thing. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know that it's just women, but I, I will say women do have a tendency to want to be soft and to not want to come off aggressive or salesy. So they hold themselves back in ways that a lot of times their male counterpart, they don't, they don't see it as being salesy or, they just see it as part of the process. So of course they're going to ask yeah. for the business. So the, again, this is one of the reasons why I love to work with women in particular, because when they can understand that, that through questions, you can pretty much ask just about anything. There's things you can do with your voice. There's things you can do with your wording that makes the question land softly to the other person. And the, the truth of the matter is if you're not asking somebody for the business, if you're not issuing that invitation and giving them an opportunity to close, our brains are lazy because they're tired. 
because we have decision fatigue. Uh And so if you're not doing that, chances are people aren't actually making the decision and it's not because they don't want to hire you. And it's not because you don't have something that's going to solve their problem. It's because they're tired. And because if they don't have to make a decision right now, chances are they won't. So your job is to put the decision in front of them in an easy, soft way that allows them to go, "Hmm, yeah, you know, I do want to do this or maybe no. And either way is okay. Cause there are times where you're going to bless and release. Somebody's not the right client for you. That's okay to let them go. What isn't okay though, is to leave people feeling unsatisfied with their interaction with you because you didn't make it easy for them to get what it is that they need or want. So I think, you know, asking questions is so, is so necessary. Mm. We don't always listen to the answers. So I had something happen to me last week and uh, it was, it was, an easy, easy deal. Like I, this person I met on LinkedIn, we had had a, a message exchange. Like, you know, he reached out to connect. I said, happy to connect, asked him a couple of questions to move the conversation forward. I noticed that he was local to me and also that we had a fair number of connections in common and that he was in an industry that, um, was a good prospect for me. So Mm -hmm. I said, you know, would you be open to um, jumping on a call? So he said, yes, he wanted to do that. We set up the call. We got delayed because of something with his kids. So I love that because he's a family guy. Yeah. So we spoke last week. We had one conversation uh, on Zoom, super nice guy. um, And uh, we started talking about um, I don't know, just about what he did. That's right. About the type of bit. And I was asking questions about, he was in this, um, in the finance industry and, and so on, but he had a specific niche that he was talking about. So I then took it and asked him a question about his LinkedIn. Cause I always look at people's LinkedIn when I'm talking and gave him a tip that I thought would help him with his, you know, because not often do people do that. So I gave him some value, right? And then right away, he was like, asking for more and asking how I worked. And I told him my processes and 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 my, you know, how I work one on one with people. He gave me a buying signal. And I kept talking. Oh, He's, right. He yeah. said, let's do this. And I yeah. kind of like, I got, I kind of was still in a routine, it seemed. And I noticed after a minute, oh my God, he said, let's do this. So I kind of went back and I said, so um, what are you thinking? And he said, well, let's book something. And I said, okay, absolutely. Which, which package are you thinking? And I booked him to do some training. And that was so easy if I paid attention, you know? So I think that's something that, um, that even people who like, I feel that I have, gone over a hurdle in most cases where I will ask, you know, so what would you like to do next? Or Mm -hmm. what do you think next steps are? Are you ready to do something? I'll ask them. Um, But in this case, I didn't listen. So I think that's an important thing to pay attention to, right? Well, how lovely that you'll share that. I feel like that's a vulnerable story to share. And, and I'm so I'm, I feel really honored that you shared that because the, the lesson for anybody listening, I hope w- what you'll take away from what Janice just so brilliantly shared is that every once in a while we will miss things and it's okay to stop what you're doing and go back and issue that invitation 
and like, oh, I think I just got a bike signal. Okay. I'm going to go back around and say like, okay, are you ready to get started? Or which package would you like? Because a lot of times they might not have a conscious thought yet that you missed their buying signal. So as long as you circle back around with them and make it easy for them, chances are you can still earn their business. Even by the way, if you got off the call with them, you could have still called them. Now you're minimizing your chances of getting, getting his business, but it's not a done dead deal. So please go back and invite people, you know, let them know how easy it is to work with you by asking them, how would you like to get started? If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably know that I love to talk about LinkedIn. So now I'm curious, are you ready to take your LinkedIn to the next level? Because if you are, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. As a valued podcast listener, I'm offering you a one month free trial to the LinkedIn Advantage program. It's your chance to join the community of like-minded professionals and immerse yourself in a space designed for learning, networking, and growing your business, and a lot of LinkedIn as well. Don't miss out. If you're ready to go from listener to participant, take advantage of this free trial by visiting podcastadvantage.janisporter.com today. That's podcastadvantage.janisporter.com. Join us and we'll see you in the group. So that actually brings me to another question because um, I think, and I think one of the biggest, um, uh, not faults, but things that people um, uh, fall apart on is follow up. Mm-hmm. And I and here's something I did this too. I'll admit it. I mean, as as you know, you can be great at it for nine out of ten, and then that one time you let it fall through the cracks or whatever. Yeah. So. Somebody I spoke with who was a referral from a a client of mine, a past client of mine, Mm -hmm. um, to do some training on LinkedIn, had a conversation with him. We talked about um, what he needed and what he thought he needed. And I asked him a bunch of questions. And this is interesting because I wonder if I didn't get him to um, a buying mentality Mm -hmm. because he might have thought um, I wasn't the right fit for him. So he was looking for a new job. They are job seekers are not my primary, um, clients, Mm -hmm. but I have worked with some and I made sure I told him that I have, and that it's a little bit different when you set up your profile as a, as a, um, uh, as a, as an employee looking for a job than it is if you're in your own business. And I made sure he understood that I understood that. But I wondered if somewhere in that conversation, I showed doubt or something that he mm-hmm. might have picked up on. Because at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, I want to talk to my wife. I want to think about it. Um, I will get back to you. And he didn't. Now, two thoughts went through my mind. One, it wasn't a good fit. So um, uh, I'm just going to let it go. Or two, because I did give him, he asked me how much I charge and maybe it was too expensive, but it didn't get to that. um, I didn't get to feel that specifically with him. Um, But I did, because he was a referral from my friend and past client, I thought I should follow up with him. So I sent an email after a week. Now it was probably 
I did send him a card actually right after saying it was nice to talk to him. I hope we get to work together, but he probably wouldn't have had that right away. And then I sent him the email just um, on the weekend, I think, and I haven't heard back from him. So what are your thoughts on all of that? Because I think it's a great learning experience for people. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. And I think what you did is common. Now, I want to say as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you get to decide who is your ideal client and who isn't. So it's okay to bless and release. If, if you're thinking like, ah, I don't really want to work with this person, that's your choice. Now, when you do want to work with them and somebody says, I need to talk to my wife or I need to think about it or any of the things that he said, here's what I advise my clients to do is I say, you then say to him, great. Is there any additional information that you might need to make it easy for you to have that conversation with her? So you check to see that you've got all of the, you know, he's, it gives him an opportunity to say, oh, I have this question or that question or whatever. And then you say now about how much time do you think you'll need before you'll have that conversation? Let's schedule a circle back call now that way. Once you have the conversation, I can answer any additional questions that come up for you. And then we'll decide on next steps for working together. So you preface what's going to happen in that next call and you attempt to get it scheduled. So you would say, you know, he says, oh, I'm going to talk to her tonight. And you go, great. Can we talk tomorrow or the next day? What time works for you? And you actually get a time scheduled on your calendar and on his, Mm -hmm. because then what happens is you don't spend any time of like, should I email? Should I call? Should I send a card? Because you know, he's on your schedule and you're on his and you're going to have a conversation. Now, what that will do is it, it does allow for him now to have a little bit of accountability to actually have the conversation with his wife. And then when he sees, oh, I have a call scheduled to Janice tomorrow at 10, you know, I better talk to my wife today or tonight or whatever. And then if they have a conversation and they decide it's not the right next step for you, chances are he's going to, he's going to cancel that meeting with you. Right. So that's good because now you didn't waste any time or energy of like, should I follow up? Shouldn't I? Or, and also you can take that time that he now saved you from getting on a call to hear a no. Right. So you can do something else with it. But chances are if he gets back on that call with you, you have a very high chance of earning his business. Mm -hmm. So he might have one last question that he needs answered, or he might just need to like feel reassured that you're the right person for him, whatever that is. But don't just let those, those things hang out there because you will waste time and energy trying to figure out what the right next step is versus just having the time scheduled. Now, if I say to somebody, let's schedule a circle back call, let's get it on the calendar. And they say, kind of in the nice way, like, don't call me, I'll call you, (laughs) Nikki. Then I think to myself, bless and release. The ball is now in this person's court. And I think I don't chase clients. So I'm not going to chase after him. I'm going to say it was so nice to chat with you. Please know that you're welcome to reach out to me at any point. I'll be so happy to hear from you because I want to leave the door open. So he knows like, she's not offended that I didn't hire her. I can still follow up with her when I decide like, oh, she is the right next step for me. But at least now we've left on good terms. And that's clear. The ball's in your court. You own it. You want to hire me. You got to come back to me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? All of that great advice that you just gave, nine times out of 10, I do exactly that. There was something maybe that stopped me. Maybe I thought you know, maybe he's not the right guy for me. Maybe I was sending those signals and I didn't book 
the follow-up call because I teach my people, you know, don't leave a meeting till you book the next meeting. So I, so it's just, it was a weird kind of sense for me of why I let that happen. So Mm -hmm. we'll see if he answers me. I, I, like you said, I would, I would prefer, especially because it's um, a referral that I bless and release, or maybe timing, you know, it, it, again, it's always about timing and it's not your timing. It's their timing. So that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. And yeah. I, yeah, I would say, trust your instincts there. If you say exactly. nine out of 10 times I do it. And this one time I didn't, there was something there. Chances are that end. led you to go, maybe he's just not the right I know you know, we're, not, we're not the right fit for me right now where I am in my business. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's all good. So um, I wanted to also ask you, um, um, I saw something. So this is a question that um, I, I get it, but I think it's a good question to put out there for um, my audience is okay. um, because there's still people doing the traditional things. And so how does relationship selling change from tradition, um, differ from traditional sales methods, mm. right? Cause even though, um, we talk about relationship marketing and relationship selling a lot, we're still seeing and hearing, you know, always be closing. Yeah. I think the difference is relationship selling to me is something you only do when you have permission. And traditional selling is a lot of, uh, like shotgun approach to sales. I'm going to word vomit on as many people as I possibly can. I'm going to show up in as many inboxes as I possibly can. And, uh, you're going to spend a lot of wasted time and energy on people who now just will never buy from you because you never had their permission and you've shown up in a way that usually comes across either annoying, gross, or frankly, boring. And not well, relevant. They, they think it's a numbers game though. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, well, I mean, I guess you could look at life like it's a numbers game, but that seems like a lot of work for yeah. nothing. So I would rather that you focus on who are those right clients for you? How are you attracting the right people into your business? And how are you having those conversations that allow for the permission to be there before you go into sales mode? I mean, I think people think that this is a way to sell where you show up in somebody's inbox. I mean, chances are you might, maybe you can relate. Like I've got a few of these this morning of people showing up in my inbox and telling me the things I've done wrong. Well, (laughs) here's the fact of the matter is I don't know you. Uh, You don't have permission to tell me what I've done wrong. And I feel a little like the hair on the back of my neck stands up sometimes when people come at you and you're like, who are you? How are you qualified? How you don't know me, right? Like it, it triggers what's known as a polarity response in people when you do that. So I think it's a huge waste of time. Hmm. So instead, if you show up and ask a question, like, would you be open to some feedback or would you be open to having a conversation where I'd be happy to share, you know, some ideas and suggestions for you that, that would benefit your business in this way? Like that's asking permission. Mm-hmm. I don't word vomit on you and go, here's all the things you do wrong in sales. Like people often say to me, like Nikki, oh, it must be so easy for you to earn clients because 
people are doing sales so poorly and you can just point it out to them. And then, you know, they want to hire you. And I was like, I would never point that out to somebody without their permission, because that's such a break in rapport and rapport to me uh-huh. is the foundation of everything I teach. Now I might say to somebody, would you be open yes. to another way that I think would be more effective or more impactful when you're selling a different approach? Are you open to that? And then if they say yes, now I have their permission to offer them a suggestion or a solution or, or something else, but just showing up numbers game. I'm not a fan. Agreed. So just what you said about asking permission, I know that that, um, that's so, it's so interesting because I'm a teacher by trade and I tend to want to teach yeah. all the time. But when you ask permission and, and that same gentleman that I spoke to that, you know, we booked um, some business, he had said to me earlier in the call, he said something and I said, well, would you mind if I, if I just give you um, my version of why or something about his something yeah. his profile? And he said, no, absolutely. And then later in the conversation, he said to me, you've already given me such great value. How could I not, right, you know, move forward kind of thing. So if if you are open and understand, you know how people say, um, give your best stuff away, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it does work if you are willing to, if you don't hold on tight to, to you know, your expertise, but you give it away, it does come back in, 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 a, in a good way, I think, anyway. So that's interesting. Now I want to ask you one more thing. Okay. Number two, your five step number two, create curiosity. And you said create curiosity about your business and about what you do. Mm -hmm. I think of creating curiosity. um, Or or I think of being curious and asking them lots of questions. Right. So tell me like how you create curiosity about what you do. Yeah. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that you being curious about the other person is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Now the, from a sales perspective, the person who's asking all the questions holds the power. Right. Now, if you're asking all the questions in the conversation, you're creating an imbalance of power between you and the other person. So you need to give opportunity for them to ask questions, but they don't always know what questions to ask you. So you can plant seeds that allow them to go, well, what does that mean? Or tell me more about that. Or how do you help clients with this or that? So I'll give you um, the most, like, this is how I think about creating curiosity as I often teach it is it's the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. So I know that sounds a little crazy. So stick (laughs) with me for just a second. So if you think about, I don't know, Janice, I don't know this about you. Are you a dog or a cat lover? Um, I'm, I'm more of a dog than a cat lover. Okay. Not that you have to be, but think about when you hear people want to get their dog's attention, they'll usually change their voice. They change their demeanor and they do this like, come here boy. Right. Or like, let's, you know, let's do it. And they like change the way they talk. And so dogs really respond to that because they're like, oh, something fun's going to happen. They don't even know what it is, but they're like, maybe it's a walk or a treat or a car ride. Like they don't know, but they're so in. And unfortunately, when people show up in conversation, a lot of times we come off with what I call dog calling energy. It's like, I'm so excited to talk to a prospect and I'm going to word vomit all over them and tell them how awesome I am. And, and it's so exciting. And 
unfortunately, people don't respond to dog calling energy. They push away. They go too much, right? So when you want to call a cat, you can't call a cat the way you call a dog, right? If you did that to a cat, a cat's not even going to come. So usually when you want to call a cat, you do, you change your demeanor a little bit. You go here, kitty, kitty, here, (laughs) kitty, kitty. Cats don't even always come to that. But a lot of times what they will do is give you a look like what? (laughs) Like, show me, show me what you want and maybe I'll come to you. So the idea is you need to create curiosity, creating statements. I call them here, kitty, kitty statements. And it's something that allows the other person to go, Oh, what is that? Or, Oh, tell me more about it. Now I'm not in any way implying like you need to be sneaky or you need to like, you know, do anything weird. I'll give you kind of the most basic way to do it. And, and it's a muscle and you need to build it. And there's lots of ways to do it. I teach a whole course just on creating curiosity But the first and easiest way to start to build your muscle is think about how you respond to the most basic question. The most basic question most of us get asked many times a week is, how are you? Now you might have a fine or okay, or oh, live in the dream, whatever your answer is, but that doesn't really create curiosity. So if you want to talk about your business or have the opportunity to share about something exciting going on, you want to have an answer that piques the other person's interest. Your answer should usually be maybe two sentences, three at the most. Once you're over three sentences, you are word vomiting and dog calling, knock it off. So right now, if somebody said, how are you? What's something you could talk about that would be really exciting? Like for me, I might say, if somebody said, how are you, Nikki? I might say something like, Ooh, I'm really excited because I'm planning for my, my next big promotion right? It could be that, or I could say, oh, you know, it's been really good. The podcast is growing and I'm super excited about my listeners. Now that's just something for somebody to go, oh, you have a podcast or, oh, you have a promotion coming. What is it? Now they've opened the door and they've given me a little permission to talk about it. Now, if it piques their interest, what happens next is they give a buying signal. Then I can invite them to the next step in the process because now we're in a potential sales conversation and creating curiosity is so important. And it's so impactful that once my clients learn how to do it, they often are like, I am booking sales. Like I've never booked before. And it's because there's a lot of interest out there, but people don't know what you do. People don't know what you can do for them. And if you're not willing to, to at least attempt to create curiosity, you might never get into that conversation that would allow this person to work with you, hire you and benefit from what you offer. So it is such a crucial step in the conversation. That's, brilliant. That's really brilliant because I, I, I know like just, um, you know, in, in the grocery store, you know, the clerk will say the, the cashier will say to you, how are you today? They don't always listen to the answer. No. You know? Like, and sometimes I've tested that, but I ask them and hope that they'll, you know, feel better by you paying some attention to them. But, but I know sometimes I'll say, I've got a migraine headache and they don't, oh, that's not like, they don't listen. Right. (laughs) So, so I, you know, those aren't your people and that's okay. I play with that though sometimes. So that's, I love it. Yeah. Um, but that's a really good point and, um, and something that isn't used enough. So, so great, great point. Um, so let's just move off 
that for a minute. And, and as we start to wind down, I want to ask you a couple of questions. So what do you love to do when you're not working? Uh, probably one of my favorite things to do when I'm not working is I live in an area where we have a beautiful river that runs through the city and we have what's, what's called a green belt. Mm-hmm. So I love to go and walk the river. Nice. We have green belt right behind us here. And oh, you do? what I love to do sometimes my granddaughter will come over. She's four and our kitchen nook faces the green belt. And so we're having a, a meal there or something. And all of a sudden I hear, oh, and she goes, I go, what? She says, there's a squirrel or there's a bird or whatever. Yes. So yes. fun to be able to, to do that with her. And, but that's, that's, that's awesome. And, um, are you a, a reader, a video watcher or a podcast listener or a book listener, which is your mm. favorite mode of I'm going to say all except for video. I don't particularly like to watch a lot of video. Yeah. So I, I love podcasts. I'm a huge podcast listener and hence I have a podcast and I do listen to books on audible and I love to read as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a consumer of content. Yes, me too. Um, I've gone, I've, I've um, expanded my podcast listening though, to um, when I go on walks, I will listen to a podcast and the ones I've been listening to lately though, are more entertaining than educational. And I'm like hysterical laughing at these things that I'm listening to. And it's so much fun. So my two favorites, unless you haven't heard them, Smartless. Yes. That's one of my all-time faves. And Wiser Than Me. Oh, I don't know that one. Well, she's only done one season. I'm waiting for the next one is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, she's I'm done check 12, it out. 12 episodes, Wiser Than Me. She interviews women who are smarter, older than her. And yeah. she thinks wiser. And the first interview is Jane Fonda. So you have to listen to it. It's amazing. <gasps> I can't wait. Thank you so yeah. much. Oh, you're welcome. She's, and what's the name of your podcast, Nikki? It's Sarah- Sales Maven. It's Sales Maven. Maven. So can I give you a funny one? Now it might be too, you know, it might pull at some sensibilities. So you might not be the right thing for you, but it's called bad dates. And I think it's hilarious because it's people and mostly comedians, they come on and they share their worst dates ever. And so the situations that people have been on, I love, I'm a, I love people mm-hmm. and I I'm fascinated by the way people behave and think. Yeah. And this is a really great uh, kind of being a fly on the wall and going like, wow, people are crazy and interesting and forgiving and loving and all the things, but I will say it can be a little vulgar. Oh, <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thanks for the warning and I'll, yes. check, I'll check it out and see if it's for me or not. Okay. Uh, so um, last question before we go, um, I'm not going to talk about curiosity because we both know that we've talked about that and we both um, think it's uber important. So what I want to ask you is if you is if you have one um, final business um, tip for my for my audience and then also where people can get hold of you. And I think you said you wanted to offer something to my audience, which you're welcome to do so. Thank you. My final tip is that a lot of people would be interested in working with you. So don't ever be afraid to ask. And sometimes it's just something as simple as saying, is there ever an opportunity where it would make sense for us to work together? Never be afraid to ask that question because it might open the door and plant a seed for somebody who's like, well, I hadn't really thought about it. But now that you asked, 
Yes. Right. So don't ever be afraid to ask. And people, even if they're not interested in working with you, oftentimes they'll be flattered that you're interested in them. So I always say my all-time favorite song is Cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. People like to be wanted. People love love to be loved. So Uh, That's awesome. Thank you. All right. And we're- And, okay. And for your audience, I do have a mini training where I go through the five steps in a little bit more detail. It's a short, easy training to get through. It won't take very long at all, but you will get some additional tips than what I gave here on the training with some language suggestions. You can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash Janice. So this is for your audience. It's called Mastering the Sales Conversation. It will likely change at least one or two things that you're doing in your sales conversations now that will allow for you to have more impact. Fantastic. Thank you. I'll be signing up for that too. Thank Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nikki, for bringing such value to my audience. I so appreciate it. And um, thank you to my audience for being here. Please let us know that you um, heard the um, podcast and that you liked what you heard. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know, I love to meet new people. So I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.